Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. My name is Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And this is week 36 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Now, we've gone out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. That's right, we certainly have. This week is a pretty action-packed show. We'll be kicking off the show with a review of Ad Astra, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Brad Pitt. Uh, following that will be a slightly more grounded review with Downton Abbey. The titular TV show becomes an elongated cinema release. Then we will be reviewing Hustlers, starring Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu, Julia Stiles, Lily Reinhardt and Cardi B. David will be reviewing The Kitchen all on his own. Uh, it stars Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, Elizabeth Moss and Domino Gleeson. Then both Craig and I will be reviewing The Farewell, starring Aquafina, written and directed by Lulu Wang. Then it's time for a game of hide-and-seek in Ready or Not, which I'll be reviewing by myself. And it stars Samira Weaving, Adam Brody and Mark O'Brien. And we'll be finishing the show off by reviewing Rambo Last Blood, which stars the 72-year-old, never-aging, apparently, Sylvester Stallone. Wonderful. He's a, he's a man of many tricks. That's Sylvester Stallone. I was actually having a conversation with a, a gentleman up at the, the cinema. Um, I don't think I've told you this, but... Um, the gentleman was going on about how good he was in the film and like how good he is for his age. Mm. And then he started going on about um, how Sylvester Stallone had done some other things in the past. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, he was a porn star. And I was, oh, wow. I was a bit taken aback by that. I didn't know that. I, I haven't <laughs> confirmed this or not. I haven't looked I it up. Go- I was going to say, don't Google it because no. it's probably not something you'd want to see either way. Um, I- I'm not sure that's true. I you, you, I, there's lots of tittle tattle, isn't there, in the cinema? Um, <laughs> there is. You, you, there's always one, or there's always that odd bloke that turns up who has just facts. Oh yeah, Stallone was a porno. You know, he was, was a porno. He was just literally himself a one man porno, or he was a porn star. And it's just like you oh, have one man porno. <laughs> <laughs> you have no base. You have no evidence for this. It's just tittle tattle nonsense. Yes, and I'm I'm not going to confirm it. I'm not even going to look it. No, up. I wouldn't bother. But <laughs> exactly, Craig, how are you? Uh, last time we spoke, one, you were about to play a charity football match, and yep. two, you were also about to go on holiday to sunny Greece. Yes, so, oh, well, the football went, um, well, it wasn't a disaster, I'll put it this way. Didn't you Didn't you manage to injure yourself before the competition even begun? Yeah, I, I um, twisted my ankle during In, the warm-up. During the warm-up. This is a man that is so athletically challenged, he can't even warm <laughs> up without injuring himself. He's the most unathletic... Well, no, I, I mean, I, I managed to play two games fairly well. The first game we won, the second game um, I, we drew and I scored a goal. Did you slap a bit of deep heat on it and just carry on? Uh, no, we had. Uh, they gave us some ice patch things. like these, Oh, these, okay. Yeah, you, you break enough. a thing that's inside the ice thing and it goes all cold and uh, I put it on my foot. Um, but 
the third game, I got about 10 seconds into it and I was limping and I oh, just dear. decided to walk off. And as I was walking off to get someone else to come on, uh, they basically ran past me and scored a goal. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise they were venturing anywhere near me. Um, but yes, uh, we did get knocked out after the fourth game and then we went home. What a shame. And Greece? How was Greece? Greece was was something else. I mean, it was a very well-earned break, mm, I think. You deserved, you deserved a break. I'm off to Morocco in five <laughs> weeks. Oh, dear. Well, how are we going to function without you? Well, it's only I'm only away for a week. I'm going to be doing a bit of camel riding and sun tanning. <laughs> uh, I am actually riding. We have got a camel ride booked, which Is I can't it, wait for. Are you sharing the camel with your dad? It will be. I will be going hand solo on the camel. And we'll be riding it through the desert. I would. I, I mean, that's going to be equally as in, in, entertaining to see a picture of that, or maybe you can FaceTime me whilst you're. On, I will try. I mean, there must I, be some sort of. We will post service. something on our social media of me on this camel. But I would prefer to see, like, you riding the camel with your dad on your back, on the back of the camel, not on your back. Um, at the same time, like him wrap his arms around you, holding on for dear life. For dear life, well, th- there's a possibility that I am going to rag this camel across the desert. I don't well, know. This is what I had. A feeling, I don't know but... what the rules are, but if I'm allowed to give it a couple of sharp reminders with the shillelagh, I will certainly be getting this camel at more than a walking speed. Will it have a shillelagh? I would imagine you might be given a shillelagh. I don't know. I will certainly endeavour to find out. So you will be riding it on its own, like they're... yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah, I, be- I believe it's a camel ride in the desert. I, I would imagine I will be. Is this like some sort of Groupon experience that you've bought? I don't know. My dad's organised it. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. Okay. And in other news, as you know, I've opened up in uh, on the show before about my sobriety. 21 months sober now. Hmm. And also, Craig, three weeks without a cigarette. That's impressive. Uh, so I've booted the cigarettes as well. But I did realise earlier today, while I was doing my last bit of preparation for this show, I did a little bit of tidying, a bit of music mm. on. It's what my actual way of, of relaxing is to tidy my flat with some music on. And I found many, many cans of Red Bull. And I've realised that I have got a uh, quite a savage um, caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> caffeine addiction. Where did you even pull that from? <laughs> you don't want to know. But anyway... Uh, on with mm. the show. <laughs> Delicious, yeah. No, that. So we've we've kicked the booze, we've kicked the fags. It's just the <laughs> red bullion left. Anyway, let's kick off the highly stimulated show in the usual way with the box office rundown. This is the box office rundown brought to you by is it worth it the film review podcast Yes, that's right. It's the box office rundown for the weekend of September 20th to the 22nd, 2019. David, would you care to kick us off at number 10? Yes, I will. At number 10, it is Toy Story 4. Both me and Craig have seen this. We have reviewed it and we both relatively enjoyed it, although there was problems with it, we thought. Um, For me, it looks like they've set it up for Toy Story 5. I certainly hope they have because I wasn't particularly happy with the way it ended. Uh, It's done very, very well at the box office, taking 65.2 million. If you haven't seen it, Go and check it out. In at number nine, we have Dora the uh, Dora the Explorer. No, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Uh, we reviewed this a couple of weeks ago, and actually, we thought this was a bit of a masterpiece. Certainly, mm. I did anyway. David thought it was pretty good as well. Yeah, really, really enjoyed this film. Can't recommend it enough for a children slash adults film. Um, it was just great. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, it's taken 5.5 million. Um, 
Mickey is all right. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not it's not going to break any records, but if you haven't seen it, you know, take the kids to your local cinema and see it. Uh, above that, at number eight, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Uh, that's been in the box office for around six weeks. I just wanted to touch upon how much it's taken. It's only taken twenty million pounds, which, when you compare that to the likes of uh, Toy Story four, which has taken sixty five million, or even um, some of the ones that are higher in the box office, you know, lesser films. Uh, that have taken more than that. And I mean, the Lion King has taken 73.3 million. Uh, I don't think once upon a time in Hollywood has done as well at the box office as some people might've expected for a Quentin Tarantino film. And that's probably a lot to do with the pace of it, which is one of the problems uh, me and Craig highlighted when we did review this film. I do actually think obviously it being an 18 as well, it has closed itself off um, to having a, a younger audience, obviously going to see it, which then obviously therefore draws in a lot more money. So obviously with Lion King being a, a yeah. PG, um, that's going to draw in a, a much larger audience and therefore a lot more people. So you can sort of see why that's taking more money. And being a, a remake of a, of, a, of a Disney classic as well. But yeah, I just think once upon a time in Hollywood, I think it's better than the 20 million pounds it's taken at the box office. Craig, what do we have above it at number eight? Well, it's still in the box office. Uh, it's Casino Royale. I'm I'm perplexed because I, I believe that this was a, a secret screening where you got well, it's not a secret screening. It's multiple screenings. Yeah, but there must be a lot of them because it's been there for well, yeah, it's, many, it's, many weeks now. Yeah, every weekend, I think it is. Uh, and it's the secret cinema who provide these. It's not actually like a secret screening. Yeah. Like, it, like, yeah it's not I mean, that kind secret. Of is, they, <laughs> they, do, they don't tell you where it's taking place, though. Oh. And then they, they send you an email where you have to sort of get there. They must give you some sort of idea. It's not yeah, like, like they GPS coordinates. They don't just tell you the day before. Your screening will be in Bradford. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it won't because I don't live in Bradford. But um, anyway, Casino Royale. Both me and Craig love this. I think it's probably one of my favourite Bond films. Daniel Craig is superb. Uh, well worth seeing. Above that, at number six, we have The Lion King, um, the remake of the animated Disney classic. It smashed the numbers. I mean, it's taken £73.3 million. Um, what can I say about this film visually? I mean, we don't even need to say anything else. For the last four shows, we've said what, how we feel about yeah, it. Visually stunning. Um, it. Worth seeing on the biggest screen possible. Well summed up. <laughs> Thank you. In at number four? Five. 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 It's Hustlers. Uh, this is new in. Uh, and uh, it's also uh, one that we're going to be reviewing on this week's show. So we won't say anything else other than that. Above that at number four, we have Rambo Last Blood. Again, we will be reviewing that on this week's show. So we will say nothing about that either. In at number three, we have It Chapter Two. Uh, this has been in the box office for about three weeks now. It's taken uh, 16.2 million pounds. Pounds, which is is fairly all right. Um, it's a okay sequel to the first. It I thought the first one was was terrific, uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, and but this one seemed to lack the character development that we got from the first one. Uh, so unfortunately for me, the first one was way better. Definitely. Absolutely spot on. You took the words literally out of my mouth. Above that, at number two, we have Brad Pitt starring in Ad Astra. It's had a very good opening weekend, taking 1.7 million. Uh, and that is why it comes in at number two. And again, we will be reviewing that on today's show. And then at number one, it's the big one. The action-packed Downton <laughs> Abbey. <laughs> action-packed. Yes. Uh, so we're going to review that on this week's show. Um, so we won't say anything more mm. other than that. David, would you like to care I did to do... just want to say one oh. thing about 
about it. If you just scroll back up, the numbers, it's taken £3.4 million this weekend. It's taken £14.3 million in total. There are rumours hmm. that there are going to be multiple Downton Abbey films made. I mean, I can see that. And, and I think maybe we should discuss that a bit we later. We will touch upon that notes. in the reviews. Oh, it's in your notes. Well, in that case, let me give you the usual... <laughs> uh, Craig's way ahead of me. Let me give you the top 10, starting at number 10. At 10, it's Toy Story 4. 9, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. 8, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 7, Casino Royale. 6, The Lion King. 5, Hustlers. 4, Rambo, Last Blood. 3, It, Chapter 2. 2... Ad Astra, and at the top of the pile, the exciting, action-packed, overwhelmingly unbelievable Downton Abbey, the movie. <laughs> it's now time for our first review on this week's episode, and it's Ad Astra. Uh, But what is this film about? Well, it's set in the not-too-distant future, but we soon find out that 30 years ago, Clifford McBride led a voyage into deep space, but the ship and crew were never heard from again. Now, his son, Roy McBride, a fearless astronaut played by Brad Pitt, must embark on a daring mission to Neptune to uncover the truth about his missing father and the mysterious power surge that seems to threaten the stability of the universe and space-time continuum. Let's take a listen to a clip. <laughs> Ray, how are you? Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. General. This is Lieutenant General Rivas, Director of U.S. Space Comm Special Ops. Sir. Major. Adjutant General Vogel, Head Major. of Security. Ma'am. They flew all the way in from Virginia just last night just to see you. Well, thank you. Your uh, profile is certainly very impressive. You've done exceptionally well on all the assessment tests, basic combat, space training. We have something of a highly classified nature to show you. Major, what can you tell us about the Lima Project? First manned expedition to the outer solar system, sir? Some 29 years ago. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. No data was ever recovered. Deep space missions were halted after that. Roy, we have something that might come as quite a shock to you. We believe your father is still alive near Neptune. My father's alive, sir? We believe so. Roy, the surge seems to be the result of some kind of antimatter reaction. Now, the Lima project was powered by that material, and your father was in charge of it. Now, we're talking about a potentially unstoppable chain reaction here. The uncontrolled release of antimatter could ultimately threaten the stability of our entire solar system. All life could be destroyed. Major. We would like you to send a personal message on Mars by secure laser to what we hope is the Lima Project. What is happening out there is a crisis of unknown magnitude. Now we're counting on you to help us find him. Are you with us? Yes, I am, sir. (laughs) 
So that was a clip from Ad Astra. Uh, so this film is written and directed by James Gray, uh, who directed Lost City of Z, uh, which was all right. It was all right. Um, but this film is it, set not too far in a distant future. Um, I don't think you got that sense of how far in the future it was set. I mean, I thought looking at the technology and the the fact that we colonised the moon and we were travelling to the outer solar hmm. system, we're looking at a couple of hundred years in the future. But what I like about films like this is when it says not too far in the distant future, it's not putting a specific date on it. Yeah. So it will always be valid. So you could watch this in 20, 30 years' time, assuming we haven't already had commercial flights to the moon by then, and it will still be a very valid and relevant film. Well, that's the point, isn't it? I think we are living in an age where commercial flights to space is imminently going to be happening mm. so set not too far in a distant future the the place where brad pitt works you know he's on that satellite that that big long pole satellite thing yeah. that's a relatively futuristic thing but is actually not beyond the realms of possibility um and i like that this film embraces that 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 feeling of the technology could be available in the next 10 20 years you know it is true that that could happen um and that was one of the main things that I personally really liked about how the film is grounded in that sense, in that sense of realisticness. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the first things that I obviously wanted to get off my chest there. Um, how about we talk about Brad Pitt a little bit first? Mm. I think that's probably a good way to start. This yeah, movie. I mean, Brad Pitt is, he gives a really balanced, almost stoic performance. I think Brad Pitt is sensational in this film. It, it yeah. almost is the darkest hour-esque performance from Brad Pitt, a film that we are going to explore and, you know, Firstly, I want to get off the you know off the bat and say that I really like this film. It's a real Marmite movie. Um, it's impossible to totally dislike it because I think everyone would agree that there are you know there's great stuff in here. There's brilliant production design. There's great cinematography. There's some great acting. There's a brilliant soundtrack. It does have its problems, but very much like um, Darkest Hour with. Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt really does steal the show and it is the Brad Pitt show. I think he gives a really, really just stoic, balanced and really, fir- and again, very much like Ryan Gosling in First Man. That Yeah, that's that, exactly what I was going to say. That astronaut that has to have almost no emotion because they're going through really dangerous, you know, life-altering uh, events and particularly Brad Pitt here we're talking about and you know there's been this power surge this matter from out of space which has caused these blackouts which causes this space antenna to explode and the film starts with that really sort of big and bold opening with Brad Pitt falling from the space antenna back down to earth obviously surviving uh, managing to keep his heart rate stable come out of that um what do they call it a spin, spin yeah. and and stabilize himself open his parachute and survive but Brad Pitt is is brilliant in this film um and I think Brad Pitt and the cinematography are two of the of the most sort of striking parts of of this movie. Yeah. Well, you've basically taken that note of mine up there, and I can't read it out now. But it's basically yeah, <laughs> Brad Pitt is basically uh, sensational in this film. Mm. Um, he is playing somebody who is emotionally detached completely for in this film. Mm. But we get that in a visual way. Um, but throughout the course of the film, there is this narration that goes hand in hand, and that is his emotional side being. Mm brought to the forefront by having these little side narrations or monologues. And mm. oh, I didn't like those at all. I felt that that was, again, Hollywood holding you by the hand. Yeah, these voiceovers and letting have been you know very... how this, this character is really feeling. Mm. 
portray it in the visual elements. That's how I think it needs to be done. There could be a conversation. Let uh, let it be ambiguous. Let us mm. take uh, it with a pinch of salt a little bit. Don't don't lead us along that corridor um, and and along the path that you want us to go down. Mm. Let there be multiple paths that we can read into it. That's what we like about a good you know multiple different films mm. that really are fantastic. Um, it's a bit of a crossbreed kind of film, I think. Um, it's a cross between, or it's quoted as being a 2001 Space Odyssey um, and Apocalypse Now. And mm, you can definitely see that. You can definitely see it. I mean, the 2001 was breathtaking, visually amazing, um, and Apocalypse Now had that you know, voiceover throughout the film. It, it's a real amalgamation between those two, those two films. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I... I know you really thoroughly enjoyed mm. this. I, as you said, there is a lot to like about this film. But when you combine all those things together, I, I came out of the film very dissatisfied. Mm. First of all, I think it's because I'm, I was constantly looking for something in comparison to Interstellar. Yeah. Um, from watching the trailer um, and reading the reviews, um, well, not the reviews, but hearing on the grapevine that this could be an Oscar contender, this is going to be amazing. It, the you know people have said it's fantastic. Um, I was really looking for something where there's a twist, some kind of fourth dimension mm. that really pushed the boundaries of space time and and all of this stuff. But instead, we get a film that is more about uh, Brad Pitt's daddy issues yep. um, and the weight of or the, the the severity of what's happening to the Earth and the solar system is played down quite dramatically. Yes. I mean, it starts in, in that clip. You hear how mm. severe this is. The fate of the solar system is at stake. And you are the one that needs yeah. to provide the answer to this and save the solar system. Yeah. But we don't get that. Yeah, I mean, I've actually got written in my notes here that the words described are a crisis of unknown magnitude. This matter that is radiating from space literally threatens life as we know it. And you don't really get that. And the the, weird, the strange thing about this is, is that Brad Pitt thinks that his, or Brad Pitt is, believes that his father is dead and has been dead for many years. He went on this mission into deep space. They've lost contact. Now... It doesn't matter whether your dad died in deep space or whether your dad died down the road. If your dad is dead, your dad is dead. And this whole idea of the 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 magnitude of his loss and him being on the other side of the solar system is actually almost irrelevant. And we, we these daddy issues really sort of draw away from the fact that actually, hang on, isn't this about Brad Pitt saving the world? Because throughout the whole film, it doesn't feel like Brad Pitt's going to save the world. It feels like Brad Pitt's going to resolve his his issues with his his deceased father. Um, and, and, and that's really the problem with it. Also, the film is very, very one-paced. Now, I find that that pace quite satisfying and heavy and you know poetic and let's let's sit here and drink port and eat cheese and think about space and time well that's where the 2001 mm. um comparison comes in i think but other people if you don't like that pace then you're in for a bumpy ride because the film is very very one paced and what it does have is it has three action sequences 
um, two of which are in the trailer, so it's not really giving much away. One of them was obviously the space antenna drop. Um, there's another one which I won't mention, and then there's a third one, um, which is where Brad Pitt is uh, driving across the moon in a moon buggy being chased by space pirates. Now, visually, it's really, really effective because the driving uh, and when the when the cars jump up, it's all done with, with the moon's gravity and yep. almost this slow motion effect, and it does have a real feeling of, wow, this is this is dramatic and this is interesting, but it does almost feel like it's completely plopped in. Like, it does feel like that was almost shot separately yeah, and then just inserted exactly into the film just so that there would be a little bit of action. So you have the space antenna drop, you have the moon buggy scene, and there's one other really dramatic thing that I won't say because it does spoil it that's later in the film, but you have these three moments of drama that just feel like they're plopped in, almost like they shot one film, watched it back and thought, bloody hell that's slow we're going to have to put a bit of action in otherwise what are we going to show in the trailer just a miserable you know brad pitt well to me it feels like there's uh multiple directors going on mm. here and their visions colliding yes um so you've got the, the the visual of of james gray and then you've got a second director who's come in to shoot the action sequences mm. and they've they have exactly as you said plopped them into the timeline yeah. because they felt like this is a bit of a slow burner um as we've said there's a lot to like about it i mean the visually yeah. it, it's amazing in terms of cinematography um you know you've got uh, uh hoyt van uh Hoytum who is helming that and then max richer with the with the yeah. uh, musical score um and soundtrack uh who He's sensational anyway. I've seen him live. Mm. Um, oh, really? I have seen him live, yeah. And I, basically, we went to see a concert where he did like this ex- experimental uh, album uh, called Sleep. And the whole oh. point of it was to put you to sleep. Guess what it did? You went to sleep? I went to sleep, Incredible. indeed. It was, it was very, very good. Um, but again, it... The the collision of fantastic soundtracks, yeah. fantastic cinematography, fantastic acting, all falls apart when you look at it from a story point of mm. view. And it is the story that is lacking in terms of providing some kind of, I don't know, ending. Mm. It didn't end properly. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't give me that satisfaction. Yeah. That. I wanted, which I got from Interstellar. It, I, I, I yeah, got Interstellar answers. had that powerhouse ending that was like, wow, you remembered. This This film doesn't have that. Um, it, it, oh, this film overwhelmed and underwhelmed me all at the same time, but because I found that pace satisfying, I think yeah. I enjoyed it much more than you. We spoke on our Road to the Oscars show about this being a possible Oscar contender, um, looking from the trailer's best picture. Do I think this can win Best Picture at the Academy Awards? No. Do I think it'll be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards? No. I think it's much more likely to get stuff for sound editing, sound mixing, like First Man was nominated for. Yeah, or cinematography. C- cinematography, yeah. or... or quite possibly production design. Recent winners include La La Land, Shape of Water and Black Panther because visually it's very, very stunning, particularly that that bit on the on the Mars base. It had a real, those red, that ready Mars-like feeling that you got on there it was very like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly that. You know, and it, and it just had that. The only other thing that I would say about this was the ensemble cast was a little bit strange in the sense that you had... Um, you know, Ruth Negger and Donald Sutherland, you know, two massive names that both had really small roles, like almost insignificant roles. Like Donald Sutherland was there and then like a fart in the wind he was gone and and, and almost the bits that he did have were in the trailer. So 
the the trailer for this film was sensational and it it led you to believe you'd be seeing one kind of film whereas the actual reality of the film was something quite different this wasn't so much a space film this was more of an analysis of a of a son's loss of his father and how that had impacted him in yeah. in, in his daily life and it's all about letting go and and trying to mm. discover the truth about yeah. about things but really and truly what i wanted this to do was to transcend all laws of physics and yeah. just absolutely blow my mind and it didn't do that i mean as you know i love my rotten tomato scores i mean the critics give it an eight an 83 percent which i think for me i i rate this about an 80 90 movie but the audience it gets a 42 percent score from the audience so you can see that 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 people really are divided a lot of critics are saying Visually, it's stunning that the production des- visually, sorry, it's stunning. The production design is great. Brad Pitt, um, I think it's one of his best performances of his career. It's up there with Moneyball. I will be very, very disappointed if Brad Pitt isn't given a Best Actor nomination for this. Um, obviously, he's got the chance of a Best Supporting Actor nom in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I think Best Actor here for him. I think he's brilliant. Um, I thought Ryan Gosling was also brilliant in First Man. Um, but the problem it does have is that pace. Some people will find that pace just way too slow. Um, it's a real Marmite movie, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. So, should we go for questions, or do you have anything further to add? As well? I don't, uh, other than, yeah, Brad Pitt, brilliant performance. <laughs> I think I've said that quite a few times. Many, many times. Yes. Uh, so, David, <laughs> Ad Astra, is it worth it? For me, yes. I saw this in IMAX. I think before it goes out of cinema, get into your local IMAX, see this on the biggest, baddest screen possible. Uh, I think it's a visual masterpiece. I thought the pace was bang on. Uh, I think people will look back on this film in years to come and say, yeah, that, that was a really good and uh, unique space film. I haven't quite made up my mind yet. Um, I think it's worth seeing in the cinema, only for the spectacular visuals, the wonderful soundtrack, and the brilliant acting. However, I think pe- most people will be disappointed with the pace and with the story, um, that you won't get the satisfaction that you are looking for if you've seen the trailer. I mean, now you've listened to us talk about it, and if you haven't seen it, you might be a bit more less inclined to go and see it. However, if you are a real movie buff, I think you will get something out of it still for going to see it so if you have an unlimited card definitely worth going to see it mm. if you've got the unlimited card it's definitely worth going to see it in IMAX because yeah. you know the £2.50 extra yeah. just to see it in IMAX will blow your mind in that sense but you will not have your mind blown in terms of story and I think that's all I need to say to sum it up really so that was our review of Ad Astra It's now time for the second review on this week's episode, and it's Downton Abbey. Now, the fantastic TV show uh, returns, uh, but this time to the silver screen with a cinematic outing. Now, excitement is high at Downton Abbey when the Crawley family learn that King George V and Queen Mary are coming to visit. But trouble soon arises when Mrs. Patmore, Daisy and the rest of the servants learn that the king and queen travel with their own chefs and attendants ridiculous uh <laughs> setting the stage for an impromptu scheme and other shenanigans uh let's take a listen to a clip the last few days have made me think should we really go on with it we're running the house with too few people as it is and half of those here now will leave soon what are you saying milady isn't it time to chuck in the towel lots of people have you mean Leave Downton. We could sell it for a school. 
or an old people's home or something, and buy a manor house with a modest estate and live a normal life. Is that what you want? I want everything to stop being such a struggle. Will the staff stay? Will the farms pay? What are we going to do about the roof? When I was putting up the chairs in the rain, I kept thinking, what am I doing? I'll tell you what you're doing, milady. You're making a centre for the people who work here. For this village. For the county. Downton Abbey's the heart of this community. And you're keeping it beating. So you think we should battle on? While there's blood in your veins. I do like that clip. I mean, we were taking the mickey a little bit whilst mm. listening to it. A modest estate. Yeah, we'll settle down to Abbey for Turn a school a, or an old people's home. Uh, and we can buy a very modest estate with only 22 acres instead well, of the 36 that we currently have. Makes you want to throw up, really. Does it? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, this, this is a movie that does exactly what you hope it would. It's entertaining. It's very lovely it's mm. it's a nice movie i mean and that's all i can really say about it is that literally all you have that's all my notes good lord um well uh, what i'll say is that i've never seen i've seen a couple of episodes of downton abbey i think i saw a christmas special once we watched it with the family the odd clip and snip from you know adverts on itv but i've i've never seen a you know out of choice a full single episode of downton so i went in completely blind not knowing what to expect what i will say is what the film does do well is you do get to know the characters almost instantly i don't know why but as soon as i was in the cinema i feel like i knew these characters um as a film what's it like well it's it's one of the more bizarre films that i've seen this year because literally nothing happens but things do happen, but in the sense that everything stays almost exactly the same whilst changing. It's just very odd, and it's very long. It's over two hours, and it is very uncinematic. It feels like a Downton Christmas special. Well, what it feels like is an elongated TV episode, and that's yes. all it is. And then what what it's doing here is reintroducing these characters to a beloved audience, mm. Um, and then just saying, hey, guys, we haven't actually gone away yet. Um, here we are again. Do you still like us? Are you enjoying it? Well, we're number one at the box office, which mm. means, yes, we're going to make some money and we're going to make another TV series of some sort. I don't think they'll make another TV series, but I definitely think there's another couple of films in here. We mentioned that earlier in the show. Yeah, I, 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 I disagree, though. I don't think it will be another few movies. I think it will be, right, another TV series because the TV series actually progress progresses very well so they're mm. about 40 to 50 minutes each episode yeah and then and allow that allows them to do quite a lot but not a lot again mm. if you know what i mean per episode things happen but not much but they and they've left it very much so open for that yeah you know this movie has given us um subplots that would be nice to see carrying on and yeah. seeing yeah. where they where they go with it and and the whole thing about downton abbey is really that it's the modernization of um these aristocratic cool sort of people mm. and how they are keeping up with the modern times and how things change yeah. and, and again we've seen that happen within this film the the progression of of lots of different things mm. you know first of all there is a gay subplot in there and it doesn't progress that much within the film but it's just reminding us that this this is what it was like back in that day mm. and 
hopefully if they do pick it up again, you know, things will progress again with that. Yeah. It, it did in the TV show from uh, World War One and, and, and progressed further up with that. It, you know, it it is one of those f- movies that, as you said, not a lot happens, mm. but still things do happen. But they're not very... This is the most undramatic film I think I've seen this year. So there's a couple of fairly major events. There's three that stand out. Now, we're going to do a non-spoiler review, but, so I don't want to say what they are. But they are quite big events. We, you've already mentioned the um, gay subplot uh, with one of the main protagonists. And there's quite a, a major incident that happens around his, his sexuality um, and, and, and something you know, quite bad happens to him. And it's just sort of like it happens and then, oh, we're back to drinking tea again. And it's just brushed over and it, 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 it it's just not very cinematic. Although there are some cinematic shots, some aerial, um, you know, uh, what I would imagine would be drone shots of the house and some, dr- you know, drone the shots. Abbey, the, oh, the, the Abbey, darling. Oh, the Abbey, I see. Of course it is an Abbey, yeah, hence the name um, <laughs> of the actual film and TV yeah, series. So it's a four-bedroom house. Yeah, Downton four-bedroom house uh, with <laughs> side garage um it wouldn't be quite the same would it um but no so there is it's like here's some cinematic shots here's a tv series here's some cinematic shots here's a tv series but the tv series has done extremely well i'm pretty sure i read it's outside of american tv series it's won the most emmys of 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 any british tv series no it was in iron man 3 or two. Yeah. Oh, was, yeah, oh really? Featured. Yeah. Oh. So there was a scene where uh, one of the characters was in hospital and on his TV screen was Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. I know um, for our American listeners, I know it's very popular in the States. It's done very well at the box office over there. Um, for me, where, where are the main performances? Well, I think the character of Carson is is quite funny. And um, when, when we're introduced to him, I understand he left Downton as role of one of the, one of the head butlers. He's played by the um, very large-faced... Jim Carter. Um, he has got a really big head. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But we, <laughs> the first time we actually meet this gentleman is he's gardening in a suit. Um, and I just don't think you can get more quintessentially British than a man who's gardening in a suit. Um, and he, he's, he, he's a good character. But the real showstopper, the real um, knock-them-out-of-the-park performance does come from Maggie Smith. Um, she's won, I think, two or three Emmys and possibly even a Globe um, for her performance in the TV series. And she is really, really really brilliant she brings wit she brings this dry sense of humor she has a very sharp tongue uh, and underneath all of that she's a really really lovable character i thought her performance was was superb overall did i enjoy it as a film i thought it was painfully slow and dull but also absolutely captivating at the same time mm. it, it, it shouldn't work as a film it is long and it is slow but it kind of does. And because it's so nice and everything's so lovable and everything really works out well and every everyone gets exactly what they want and it's a really happy, uplifting, it's almost hard to, to criticise it. Yeah. I, there, I mean, there's so many subplots that really do go on within mm. this film that it's hard to, to, to keep up with all of them that go on. So, you know, the, there's one in particular that I thought was quite hilarious. Uh, and I think you know what I'm going to allude to here. There is some resistance, I'm going to say, to to the king. Yeah. Um. And there's <laughs> and 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 something happens that can only be, you know, carried out from an ITV drama, you know, yeah. British point of view. It's the most British thing I've ever seen in mm. my life. Um. Other than Downton Abbey. Um. It 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 was ludicrously hilarious. Yeah. I mean, should we just say what it is? 
I don't know. Okay, if if you don't want the, the spoiler, uh, just pause for a second and maybe skip over about five seconds and it'll be done. Say it quick. Assassination on the King. And it looks hilarious. And it is, yeah. So basically what we've just said happens and it is the most quintessentially British assassination attempt you will ever see it, it's it's terrible like it could have been like a really major part of the film but it, it just wasn't and it was very uncinematic and very tv show and almost laughably bad but despite that you forgive it because it's downton darling and it, it look what this film has done is it has made me want to watch some of the TV series because it just seems quite nice. Exactly. Although, apparently, the TV series is heavier and it does have a bit more substance. It has a lot of substance. Mm. and But the fa- that's what this is why I'm saying it's going to go back to being a TV series because now it makes you want to go and watch the other ones. It's found a new audience and then it will just carry mm. on after the movie, with another TV series. Potentially, but if you look where it is at the box office, it's currently number one at the box office. It makes If it makes a lot of money as a film, mm-hmm. then there is potential for another film. And they're currently, I think, in the year 1927, obviously the crash of 29, could that feature? Um, and there, how, yes. how, how, how does that affect Downton? I know... Oh, there's a saying in economics, when America sneezes, the world catches a cold. I know the, the crash... It, impacted the american stock market and america a lot more than it would have done the english aristocracy but there's potential for for that uh, and then leading up obviously into the you know how, how how much longer can it go on for what i will say is this review has gone on for quite a long time it, it has <laughs> what i would like to add finally is that we love this kind of stuff really and i don't say me and you i mean mm. i mean the the british public and the americans so mm. if you look at the crown on netflix huge people absolutely love that and it's just it's something about you know the twentieth century and aristocratical characters and Is that stories. A word, aristocratical. I don't know. I may have made it up, but I think it's a great word either way. Yeah, I know. I love it too. Um, but <laughs> people love those kind of people and those stories, and it just seems to be something that people are looking through the keyhole on and uh, envisage themselves maybe being part of that, mm. maybe in a previous life. I don't know. Either way, I think you're right. It's gone on too long. You want to ask me the question, or shall I ask you? Ask me the question. David, Downton Abbey, the movie. Is it worth it? Yes. I'm going to say, look, I think it is worth it. If you've, if you've seen the TV series, if you've, however, however many seasons that is, you're invested, you've got to see it. It's got a very large-faced man gardening in a suit, a fantastic Maggie Smith. She is sensational in this. She, uh, we, You know... Any Oscar buzz for this film? Probably not. Um, maybe costume design and or uh, Maggie Smith as Best Supporting Actress. She was brilliant. Well worth it just for her uh, sharp-witted tongue. Craig, for you, Downton Abbey the movie, is it worth it? You know what? I probably enjoyed this a lot more than you did. Mm. But I'm going to say no. What? I know. Do you know why I'm going to say no? Because it is an elongated TV episode. Now, there is nothing in this film that will better enhance your viewing by watching it in the cinema i mean i mean other than the fact that the other audience members laugh at certain i mean there is one character who makes an announcement that is of some importance i mean mean, no but what i'm saying is like there's nothing visually stunning about the film that needs to be seen on a big screen oh no in terms of seeing it in the cinema i apologize i mean it's worth watching but Mm. i think it it would be easily uh consumed at home Mm. at your own leisurely pace and i think actually you might get a better enjoyment out of doing 
doing it at home, watching it at home, and uh, uh, which is where the, it all started. There's mm. nothing different than watching it at home than there is watching it at the cinema. So if you really want to go and see it at the cinema, yeah, yeah go and absolutely. see it. But is it worth paying the money to go and see it at the cinema? Not really. Not really. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. Um, I think it is worth seeing, uh, definitely in a group. If you're going to go and see it at the cinema, see it as, as a group. But like you said, yeah. Take you a could, cheese board. Yeah, a cheese board, some port. Um, you could definitely watch this at home. But I think both me and Craig would, would agree that overall it's a film worth seeing. Yes. Thank you. It's now time for the third review on this week's episode, and this one is Hustlers. Uh, This was inspired by a New York Magazine's 2015 article called The Hustlers at Scores. Uh, And during the course of the film, we see the writer of that article interview our main protagonist. Uh, Our main protagonist is Destiny, and she is played by Constant Wu. And it seems to flip between that past that she's sort of telling the story and then back to that present where she's speaking to the writer. Uh, the film is directed by uh, Lorene Scafaria, uh, but what's the actual synopsis? Well, let me tell you, our good friend Destiny is working as a stripper to make ends meet. Her life changes forever when she becomes friends with Ramona, who is a.k.a. Jenny from the block. Oh, yes, Jennifer Lopez is back. Uh, and the, she is the, the club's top money earner. Now, Ramona soon shows Destiny how to finagle her way around the wealthy Wall Street clientele who frequent the club. But when the 2008 economic collapse cuts into their profits and the gals and two other dancers seem to have to devise a daring scheme to take their lives back. Let's have a little listen to a clip from this movie. Front hook. Ankle hook. Yep. Knee hook. Hold on with that knee. Okay. Come here, you can do the carousel. Put your head back. Come down. You can do Peter Pan. Knee hook. Just spin. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Then you can go into a fairy sit. Oh. Stag. That's pretty. Reverse stag. That's pretty too. Scissor sit. Tabletop. I can't do that. You can do that. You're gonna do that. A climb. What if you don't have muscles to do that? You have muscles to do this. I don't have any. Every girl has muscles to do this. This one, this is a martini. Fireman down. So I think Craig has selected a fantastic clip there where Jennifer Lopez's character is showing Constant Wu's character how to operate on the um, the pole. and Operate, <laughs> <laughs> operate the machinery <laughs> no, the you, you know what I mean, how to pole dance. Um, it's a great clip because this is the Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu show. Both of them are fantastic, particularly J-Lo. And there's a lot of Oscar buzz, Craig. Um, best supporting actress. Nom- Says on there. Best yeah. of buzz for J-Lo to win an Oscar. Yeah, Craig's got it in his notes as well. But it's a really good clip because it shows this this character, the, this um, relationship between these two characters, which is fundamental for the film and for the plot. But J-Lo is brilliant. You know, at no point when watching this film did I think I was watching Jennifer Lopez play a stripper it really felt like this was a stripper her 
movement on the pole, her physicality, uh, her emotion. This was a really, really good performance, and I wasn't expecting it. When I saw the trailer for this film, I thought it looked terrible. I really, really did. But I was I was surprised, actually. By no means a perfect film, and there are faults with it, and I'm going to name a few of them as the review goes on. But the first thing to say, and from that clip, is that Constance Wu and Lopez, brilliant. Mm. So I went into this movie with uh, relatively unfamiliarity, get that word out there properly, uh, with the story. I hadn't managed to watch any trailers. I hadn't seen anything really. So I was going into it very, very blind. Um, Now, what I do know is that the director uh, directed Seeking a Friend for for the End of the World. And I absolutely adore that film if you haven't seen it look it up uh, i think you guys will will like that one as well um and i was pleased to see constant Wu here in a rather unfamiliar um sort of role you know from what we saw her in crazy rich asians um and i think she did a very 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 good job um my opinion of jennifer lopez on this one however is that i think she's a very good pole dancer mm-hmm. i think she's she does very well but she just seems to be playing jennifer lopez or, or the previous characters that we've seen her play before. It's just that one type of character, but this time she's very quite good at pole diff- dancing. Quite different to the Maiden Manhattan Jennifer Lopez. No, it's not. I mean, she gets a bit nastier. And Much a bit nastier. More New Yorkier. Craig, a bit nastier. She is drugging people and stealing from them. This is pretty pretty nasty stuff from her. Yeah. And actually, I think this is that's one of the downfalls of the film. Um, so the general idea is that the, the strip club is now quieter. Um, we're post-economic crash. Um, the bankers have been found out. Their lies and deceit has finally caused the economy to crash. Mm. But guess what? It's not the bankers who suffer. It's the average Joe. But the bankers now don't have the same amount of cash flow, so they're not hitting these clubs. So Jennifer Lopez's character and all the other uh, girls uh, in the ensemble cast realise that they have to go out and start finding these high rollers, these rich men, and basically drug them and then get them in the strip club and max their credit cards out. Now, the reason I don't like some of that in this film is, yes, the bankers lied. If you want to see how badly they lied, watch a, a film called The Big Short. It's brilliant. And they deceived the public. And fundamentally, it was the government and, i.e., the people who had to bail the banks out. Yep. But we we don't get the idea of them being the really bad guys that they are, more just normal, regular blokes. It's a bit of like, a, there's a quote in there somewhere that is very throwaway that basically says that these are the bad guys, we're mm. just taking the money from them. And yeah. it's very throwaway. And 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 if you don't quite understand the, the the level of deception that the banks were involved in, what you fundamentally are seeing is just men being robbed. And I know the idea is it's supposed to be a film about female empowerment and going out and taking what's rightfully yours. And yes, if we saw more of the... What I would have done is I would have had the people who were being robbed, I would have seen some of their bad actions in the past. Yeah. If we'd have seen a bit of that, because it just didn't sit well with me that what we were actually seeing was just people being drugged and robbed. Obviously, some thing that no one really wants to see happen to anyone now i agree with you on this um and it's the second half of the movie where this takes place mm. and this is where i feel like the film has it, it goes downhill a little bit and that's not because of um the acting or anything like that it's because of the story but it's based on the real story mm. it's very much so based on the real story so you can't really change that fact. no it's um, just the way it's portrayed but the first half of the movie is very raunchy mm. very raunchy indeed and it's slightly awkward actually when you're sitting in a cinema with a lot of other people uh 
there was a lot of oldies sitting in here, and I'm going to say oldies because they were old. Yeah, for and, me as well. Um, I, and <laughs> really, I, I don't want to be ageist, but mm. we're t- um, there was in front of me. There was a group of women who were in their seventies, eighties. Maybe they were. Former pole dancers, well, I don't know. I, I've got here, written in my notes, I think they may have mistakenly bought these tickets. And they thought it maybe it was the BBC One drama from 2005 called Hustle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that programme. It was great. Or Downton. Or, or Downton. Well, can you imagine that? I say that was quite raunchy for Downton, old boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there were a number of walkouts from the performance that I saw as well. Um, really? Uh, yeah, and I was quite surprised by it. And they wow. weren't the oldies either. They were the youngers. The younger ones uh, were walking out halfway the through. Youngers. A lot of made-up words today i'm enjoying this podcast. yeah i know I, i'm gonna have my own dictionary one day um the, so the you know i've put here the two main characters are well-rounded and we see a lot mm. of things that make them do what they do um to get to that second half of the movie where they do that con um but is it satisfying not sure i, I don't know if i was satisfied with any part of the film other than the really spectacular opening and first half of the movie. Yeah, I I mean, I do somewhat agree with that. The film did leave me feeling a little bit hollow and a little bit empty, like seeing these women and what they had to go through just to make ends meet and then seeing the the victims, although you would say they deserve some repercussions for their irresponsible actions in Wall Street, it it, it left me feeling a bit hollow. What I will say is the ensemble cast was brilliant. Obviously, you had Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu, but uh, Julia Stiles, uh, Kiki Palmer, Cardi B and Lily Reinhart. I thought Lily Reinhart was really good. There was this ongoing going joke about how she constantly threw up I thought that was really really effective Um, and the era was captured really really well Um, so there was lots of music in there there was no soundtrack for this film it appeared to just be lots of music from the era that 2006-2007 era when I was uh, a teenager and there was Britney Spears Gimme More in there no mm. J-Lo music so if, if you actually realise there was no um, there was no soundtrack it was just actual pop music and how about that it wasn't a cameo but Usher when he arrived now I used to love Usher when I was a teenager and he just arrives Usher? who's Usher? oh don't don't you know who <laughs> Usher is and Love in the Club is playing and he's just throwing money at strippers and it just really sets the scene so they capture the what it was like to be in a New York strip club what it was like to be around in 2006 2007 um and J-Lo steals the show. I think she is... I look, I don't know whether she will win Best best actri- best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards, but she's a shoo-in for a nomination. Uh, and at the moment, a lot of um, people who are far more knowledgeable about uh, the Oscars than I am uh, have her as the leading contender. Um, so, look, overall, it, it left me feeling a bit hollow, a little bit empty. Uh, it's not as good as I think some critics are making it out to be, but nonetheless, it was a very well-made and overall quite satisfying... Um, piece of cinema. So, David, Hustlers, is it worth it? Yes. Uh, it, it, it is worth seeing, but is it worth seeing in the cinema? There's nothing about this that needs to be seen on the big screen. So, so for, no, then. It is worth seeing. Is it, it's, it's just a matter of... I don't, it's a tough one. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to answer this for you. No, it's not worth seeing in the cinema. It's worth watching in bed uh, on Amazon Prime or Netflix. <laughs> Where are you going with this, Greg? <laughs> yeah, actually, good point. Watching in your living room, then watch it on at home. Basically, mm. is what I'm saying. Don't go to the cinema to see this film. I don't think it has anything in it that that warrants watching it in in the cinema. 
I really don't. Uh, you know, this isn't like Ad Astra where you've got yeah. visually okay, stunning elements and and fantastic audio and you know you have to see that on in the big screen. It, despite the story falling short, this the story falls short. This doesn't have the visual elements. Why would you go and see it in the cinema? Craig, you've persuaded me. It's a film worth seeing, but not in the cinema. And that was our review of Hustlers. That makes sense. So it's now time for me to review a film on my own and I will be looking at The Kitchen. So what is this film about? Well, it is based on the Vertigo comic book series from DC Entertainment. The film stars Oscar nominee Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish and Elizabeth Moss as three 1978 Hell's Kitchen housewives whose mobster husbands are sent to prison by the FBI following an unsuccessful robbery. With the financial support promised to them whilst their husbands are inside almost non-existent, the ladies take the Irish Mafia's matters into their own hands, proving unexpectedly successful at everything from running the rackets to taking out the competition. Yes, literally taking them out. Let's have a little listen to a trailer clip. Alfonso Coretti. You girls have been very busy. I'm an E-Ruby. This is Brennan. I won't bite. Claire, you're the one I have to watch out for, aren't you? Listen to the wind blow. My husband's had 24 more months left out of her sentences. You girls are going to be just fine. We're going to take care of you. I can't even make the rent with what they gave me last night. What are we going to do? All these men work in these streets and not a solid set of balls anywhere. Bunch of guys that don't even remember what family means. So we remind them. I don't want you to do it. I want you to teach me how to do it. Step off my business. Baby, it's my business now. Any of you need to talk this shit through? Then get out of our way. I'm within rights to wipe you off the face of the earth. Run. We worked hard for this. You want to go back to how it was? I'd rather die than go back. You go to war, there's no coming back. Claire, put a bullet in his head. You girls killed me. So that was a trailer for The Kitchen and quite a long trailer. And what I will say is I'll kick off by saying the trailer was certainly better than the film itself. Um, let's start with some Rotten Tomato scores. It gets 21% from the critics, which Ooh. doesn't surprise me at all. It gets an audience score of 69%, which does surprise me. I'm very, very surprised um, that 70% of the of the audience like this film because it's really not a very good film at all. It's directed by Andrea Berloff. Um, she's been the screenwriter on films like um, Bloodfather and Straight Outta Compton which both actually got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes so as a screenwriter she's um, she's done or been involved in, in some quite successful work. Um, this is her directorial debut uh, and if I'm honest it really does show um, I'm not going to mess around with this view, uh, with this review, and I'm just going to say that um, straight to the point. I, I don't think it was worth it um, at all, and I'm also going to do something in this review, having said that I don't think it's worth it, yes. um, and that's give away a couple of spoilers, and I will tell you why. Um, it's to do with the character de development of some of the characters here.
here. It's some of the most bizarre character development that I've ever seen in the history of modern cinema. Um, like I've said, there's a lot, of, a, a lot wrong with this film, but what exactly is wrong with it? Well, firstly, I think it's a bit of a tonal mess. Um, the bizarre character development, it's got a weak script, Craig. The, the script isn't dire, and the, the three lead actresses do their best with what they've been given. Um, it's also very one-paced. Right, okay. Um, it's not a particularly satisfying pace either, and it's it's all very muddled and confused. It has quite wooden set pieces, and that's not necessarily the fault of the act the actors or the actresses. It's the way the sc- the script is is written. It's not really dialogue. It's like one character speaks, and then there's a pause, and then. Well, do you think that's something to do with editing, perhaps? Perhaps the editing, but probably more the direction. It feels like they haven't had much much direction here, so it doesn't feel like a conversation. It feels like one person speaks. And then, almost like in drama school, someone else um, reads off a script, and the, and the plot is fairly ludicrous. So these these three women, their husbands have all gone to, to prison for a failed robbery, mm. um, and and then they sort of walk, stroll into these positions of power. Um, the premise of female empowerment is one that I welcome, um, and it's a good cast to, to to back that idea up. But it's it's just such a mess. Um, the three main characters are Kathy Brennan, played by Melissa McCarthy, Ruby O'Carroll, played by Tiffany Haddish, and Claire Walsh, played by Elizabeth Moss. Now, I really want to focus on Claire's character because this is the one that goes completely off the rails. Um, like I said, it's just a bizarre piece of character development. Um, unfortunately, she is the victim of... Uh, domestic abuse and we see this portrayed quite violently on the screen um, and she alludes to the fact that she's been a victim of domestic abuse all of her life Mm. and actually when her husband goes to prison you're quite pleased that he's gone to prison because it gives her a break and you're hoping that this is going to be her chance to become a strong independent woman and in and in some ways that that does happen with the route that she goes down but it goes way too far and the spoiler is she she becomes a volunteer at a local church initially hmm. which is very in line with her character and you see her doing this nice work and basically this homeless person comes into the church and he's intoxicated on what would either be drink or perhaps drugs as well. And the the priest, the father, the vicar, whichever one of those it is, I think it's a Catholic church, should be the father says to this person, I'm sorry, son, you, you can't eat. You know the rules. If you're, if you're drunk, um, you can't eat. Come back when you're sober. And she lovely... She does a lovely thing where she actually goes out of her way to find this person and give him a banana and a little loaf of bread. And you just think... Isn't that lovely? This woman that's been a victim of abuse all of her life um, does that nice thing for that homeless man. The problem is, about one scene later or two scene later, that homeless man is then robbing something from the church. I don't know whether it's money or if it's like valuable ornaments within the church. And she comes across him. What's the first thing he does? He runs past her and punches her in the face. So you're just thinking, Uh, oh no, this woman that's gone out of her way to help and support this person has just been abused again. And this acts as like the catalyst for the change in her character. Because mm. what does she do? And this is a major spoiler because the film isn't worth seeing. About half an hour later, she puts a bullet in that homeless man's head. She blows the homeless man's head clean off. And we see that happen. She did what? She blew the homeless man's head off with a gun. Oh. And it's like... 
what? This woman that's been a victim of abuse all of her life has now suddenly become this crazed psychopathic killer. Um, and that doesn't... Ha- uh, she's so- sort of in, in, uh, influenced by Domhnall Gleeson's character, who is this sort of psychotic character who knows how to um, dispose of a body. But that's just an example of the bizarre character de- development that's in this film. Can um, I just ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson, is that all he does? Just dispose of bodies? He 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 gets in a relationship with one of our protagonists, but he is really just a man that disposes of bodies. Um, <laughs> in quite uh, yeah, really, he he comes into it and he just he is the man that can kill and get rid of a body, pushing it into the um what what's the river in New York? It's the uh, oh the Hudson Hudson yes I think it's the Hudson where the tide meets the river and he just pushes them out to sea. He does do a bit more than that, but he's a fairly brutal character. Um, Ruby O'Carroll, played by um, Tiffany Haddish. There's another bizarre bit of character development there where she pushes her mother-in-law down the stairs and murders her. And it's these three women that are basically wives to gangsters that try and then become gangsters, and it just doesn't work. It's a real um, odd film. Uh, it's got a good cast, but it's so so unbalanced. It's 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 bizarre character development. Uh, the tone is a shambles. Um, Widows is a film we've reviewed on the podcast. That mm. is a much better example of a film of this nature. Um, that is it's just more enjoyable. This is this just feels a mess. Like like I said, it's not the worst film I've ever seen, and there is some potential. There are some decent performances in there. But you know I like my food analogies. The way I would describe this film yep. is it's like a chicken breast right. that has been burnt on the outside, right, yep. burnt to a crisp, yep. but is raw in the middle. That's, nah. how, that's how unbalanced this film is. It's not even... No a, seasoning. No, no, it's not seasoned at all. It's not even an overcooked chicken breast. It's, r- it's raw in the middle and burnt to a crisp on the outside. It's a really unbalanced film. Tonally, it's a mess. It's not worth seeing, let alone worth seeing in the cinema. So, David, is this film worth... <laughs> so, Craig, The Kitchen, I can confirm it's not worth seeing in the cinema. It's not worth renting. Unfortunately, for a directorial debut, it's a bit of a mess, uh, and it's a film that I would thoroughly recommend avoiding. Thank you very much, David, for your review of The Kitchen. So, the next film on this week's episode is The Farewell, and we were really, really excited to see this one. We got to see it a week early with Cineworld Unlimited, uh, and uh, yeah, we discussed it on Road to the Oscars, which is available for you to download right now. Uh, David, what is Road to the Oscars? So, Road to the Oscars, what we're doing is basically we're going to be doing one episode a month, um, around one episode a month, basically looking at all things Oscars, looking at what we think might win Best Picture, what we think might win Best actor best actress best supporting actor best supporting actress bringing you all the news all the latest betting odds everything you need to know all things oscars <laughs> as we go craig on the road to the oscars the the 92nd academy awards live from los angeles i can't wait ah it's gonna be good it's gonna be good uh, so yeah download that one if you haven't yet and give it a listen um but we're on to the review of The Farewell. So, The Farewell is directed by Lulu Wang and it draws upon her own life experiences. And it sees Aquafina play Billy, a Chinese-American whose family returns to China under the guise of a fake wedding to stealthily say goodbye to their beloved grandmother who happens to be the only person that doesn't quite know that she has a few weeks left to live. 
Now, at this point in the show, we'd say, let's listen to a clip, but we don't have a clip, mm. uh, so we're going to go straight into the review. Um, so, as I said, we were looking forward to to watching this movie, and um, I went in with a lot of uh, you know, high expectations, and it definitely met those expectations from my point of view. Mm. Um, the way that the movie handles um, the two different cultures... So Aquafina is like a fish out of water going back to China mm. for the first time in a quite a long time. And it's under this, this guise um, that there's going to be a joyous, happy wedding when the reality of it all is that it's to say goodbye to her beloved grandmother, Nene, who she... That's Nene, isn't it? Nene. Yeah. Nene, close. Close enough. It's not um, a horse. <laughs> 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 close enough. Um, but, you know, they have this special bond. So you see Aquafina at the beginning of the film speaking to her grandmother on mm. the phone. Uh, and, you know, they, they clearly really, really love each other. Yeah. So going from a Western civilization where, you know, they they don't lie to their elderly uh, yeah. relatives about whether or not they they have this diagnosis or not. Um, you know she's really struggling to comprehend a one that she's dying and b the fact that she doesn't know. Mm. Um, so and the reason the reason why can you uh, can you remember the reason why or they quote at least why they um, why they do that. It's something along the lines of carrying the burden or something. Oh, yeah. So basically the idea is instead of the person who's dying carrying the burden of dying, it's the family's job uh, to carry it. And also they had this saying in China, when you get cancer, you die. Um, (laughs) And and the idea is it's not actually the cancer that kills you, but it's the knowing that you have cancer that actually kills you. Obviously completely medically unproven and nonsense, really. But the idea that... It's a really tough one. Should the person know that they're dying? Um, I would suggest yes, so that they can get things in order and do things they want to do before they die and say their goodbyes. But then they have that burden of knowing you're going to die. I can't imagine what that would be like. I love the fact you mentioned that opening scene. The opening scene actually sets us up for the film because we have Nainai talking to... uh, Aquafina's character and um, the, the grandmother's basically saying to her granddaughter in New York are you wearing a hat it's cold and she's like yes nai nai I'm wearing a hat and then Aquafina says to her grandmother oh, how are you are you okay and she's like yes I'm fine whilst sitting in a hospital being diagnosed with cancer so initially they're immediately lying to each other but yeah. they're little white lies yes I'm warm I'm fine both of them are saying they're okay when actually they're not quite okay and that immediately sows that seed of is it okay to lie to loved ones and at what point does a lie become too much yeah I like that Mm. I hadn't thought of that. Well yeah, done. that's that is what the opening scene is about. It sows the seed because mm. they're bo- they're both lying to each other. The opening scene, the grandmother's in the hospital, yeah, and she's yeah, saying, yeah. "Yeah, everything's fine," when clearly it isn't. What makes this film really special is that it actually carries a lot of humour mm. and a lot of love and a lot of emotion, and it packs that punch. Now you love these characters, yeah, you really really enjoy getting to know them, and you are rooting for them all the time, and you actually. For somebody such as myself or yourself as well, you know, we want to tell the grandma. We we want her to know the truth. Mm. I, I, especially, I I do as well. You know, you know, I want I would want to know mm. essentially. So I can I can feel Billy's struggles throughout the entire course of the film. However, I'm not going to give away the ending, but there is this beautifully twisted end to it that is so fantastic that 
you know, it's only an A24 movie can sort of provide that sort of twist. And they do that with a lot of their movies. I mean, from Midsummer all the way up to... Um, well, uh, hereditary, you know, mm. it's a twisted ending and it's fantastic. Mm. Um, and, you know, A24. Yeah, the I mean, they've got, we, we, again, we mentioned this on Road to the Oscars. They've got a lot of, um, they're producing a lot of films that have got Oscar chances this year. I mean, like you said, it mixes comedy and tragedy so, so well. Um, and the character development's great. I mean, I've just reviewed The Kitchen where the character development was dire. The character development's great here. Like you said, we care for the characters. We we care for Naina, who's played by Zhao Shuzhan, who I think's brilliant. I think she could be involved in the Oscars, uh, along with uh, Aquafina, who again is superb. She was great in Crazy Rich Asians, and she's really taken her acting to, to a new level here. Um, it's just a really well-balanced, wonderful film. Some of the comedy in this film as well considering it's basically a foreign language film half of it is subtitles mm. there was loads of laughter wasn't there in our in our screening yep. lots and lots of laughter for example this wonderful scene where Nai Nai goes to see her deceased um husband and all the family are there and they're they're saying like a prayer and then they're all bowing and they're I'm, I'm literally bowing in the studio now up and down <laughs> and they do like nine bows and then they like pour some alcohol on his grave because he liked that and then they give him a hot dinner and then one of them is like here's a cigarette and 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 nine i goes no he's quit and someone else is like but he's already dead <laughs> and it's just little things like that you know really really good funny and then you've got the tragedy mixed in it gets a fantastic 99 percent from the critics on rotten tomatoes 87 percent from the audience i think that's absolutely spot on this has got to have a real chance uh, in and around award season um best actress best actress aquafina best supporting actress zhao shuzhan um best original screenplay i think it's got a, a good chance and possibly even a best picture nomination i would love to see it involved in award season yeah me too uh, i think it's a brilliant film so should we ask questions yes craig the farewell long dramatic pause is it worth it yes this is definitely worth seeing in the cinema why is it worth seeing in the cinema well it doesn't have the visuals it doesn't have the sound actually it does have the sound i think the soundtrack's really really mm. nice but it has a wonderful brilliant story and i think it's worth going to see in the in the cinema just for that mm. you know the, the the cinematography could be pants i still <laughs> think i still think it's worth seeing in the cinema yeah. because the earlier that you see it and then the, uh, the, you have to be with a good audience, I think, as well. Mm. Um, I think that it will add to the uh, feeling of the film, the emotion and the laughter as well. So for me, definitely worth seeing in the cinema. For you, David, is it worth it? Superb character development, superb acting, wonderful story. You're so invested into it. Like Craig said, you, this is a film you 100% want to see in the cinema. Go and catch it. It's really, really 100% worth it. It is now time for our penultimate review on week 36 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And Craig is going hand solo this time. Craig, ready or not? Oh, right. Yes. I thought you were going to say that. Ready or not. Here we go. No, that is the name of the film. Yes. Ready or not. Now, what is this film about? Well, Grace couldn't be happier after she's uh, marrying the man of her dreams at his family's uh, luxurious estate. Uh, There's just one catch. She must now hide from midnight until dawn while her new in-laws hunt her down with guns, crossbows and other weapons. And as Grace desperately tries to survive the night, she soon finds a way to turn the tables on her not so lovable relatives. Before I jump straight 
straight into this review. Let's take a little listen to a clip. Are you okay? Did something happen? Yeah, no. I just, I don't feel very well. Well, if you want to lie down, can't we just play the game tomorrow? No, no, it has to be tonight. Kill! 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 Hey! Get him, Jersey! Ah. <laughs> we made it, Daddy! Take it off, now! Daddy? You just keep on playing there, buddy. I hope you're so tense. You, lady in white. Look at this, you must be the bride. <laughs> Hi. Fitch Bradley. Grace. Pleasure. Alex. Hi, Fitch. How are you? Well done. Uh, sorry we cut it so close. We couldn't get our regular charter out of De Gaulle this morning. And I cannot fly commercial anymore, right? It's the worst. Grace! Hi! Hi! I'm Emily. Oh, and your dress is amazing. I've been totally stalking you on Instagram. Oh, really? That's... <laughs> We're gonna be best friends. Hi. Uh, nice to see you. I'm so excited to be a part of your family. <gasps> he will decide that, my dear. Adeline, it's nice to see you. Brown-haired niece, you continue to exist. Ladies and gentlemen, it is 11.55. So there's a pretty awful clip for this film. It was the be- <laughs> you know, I couldn't find anything that was, um, you know... Basically, with clips, you either have action or you have dialogue. And this was probably the only long bit of exclusivity in terms of clip that has dialogue in it. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't really get anything from it if it was just Crash Bang and Wallop. Um, But that isn't all the film is about, really. So this is a very dark comedy horror film. And I'll kick off the review by saying, yes. Yes, this is funny. Yes, it is gory. Yes, it is fun. And yes, it is twisted. And yes, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um... And the setup for this movie is absurd. It really is. So you have an orphan girl, Grace. Uh, she's been raised in lots of different foster homes uh, and she's marrying into this very wealthy family. So she's quite excited that she's actually going to be having like a real family. Um, but they're a bit weird. Um, so their fortune have been made from uh, board games. So they create and sell board games Uh, and on her wedding night she has to take part in this bizarre ritual that they have Uh, every time someone joins the family anew uh, they have to partake in this midnight uh, game that's presented to them on a card from this mechanical machine this box it's quite sinister box Um, (laughs) yeah it's quite antique Um, and um, she's not exactly thrilled by the prospect of having to to do this Mm. this game at midnight on her wedding night she's definitely be much rather doing something else um but um (laughs) yeah so she plays along and she gets this card and the card is obviously hide and seek um but what she doesn't actually realize is that um the hide and seek game is the worst card you can pick from this deck because it's the only one that involves uh the person who picks it getting murdered essentially so if they don't murder her by uh sunrise apparently they all die Oh dear. So there is this very spooky supernatural reason but but during the course of the entire film you're wondering is this a, just a load of complete rubbish like are they going to die and, and and they sort of hint at it throughout the film that uh, you know it's possible they might die but they're not really sure so they're just going to carry on and try and hunt down this new woman this new bride and and see if she can survive the night and it is it is very funny there is some very witty dialogue within the film but i couldn't find any of that i'm afraid <laughs> um and the gore and the action is 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 pretty horrific at some points um 
and the ending is very surprising and uh, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed watching this film. Oh, wow. uh, the screen that I saw it in was practically empty, so I was laughing my head off quite loud without annoying anybody, uh, which is what I like really when I go and see see movies. I don't like to be in a cinema screen full of people that mm. are rather annoying, as we all know. Um, do I have any other notes that would say anything? Well, yes, Samira Weaving, who plays Grace, uh, she has the standout performance within this entire film. Um, she is the only one that I'm going to mention because she does such a good job with managing the action side of stuff, managing the humour, uh, and managing some of the... Um, more sensitive emotional parts within the film as well um, which are very far and few between but she does a very good job at doing that um, so, wow. so yeah to summarise I mean that, that's all I need to say isn't it yeah, unless I mean, you have any questions uh, no I mean I, I do have one question you know what that will be uh, yeah. um, but I haven't seen this film I wasn't totally impressed by the trailer I thought it all looked a little bit ridiculous but you've really sold it to me um, so I think I know what the answer is going to be but I will ask you nonetheless Greg, Greg, who's Greg? Who's Greg? Greg, get in the cupboard. No, <laughs> Craig, hide and seek. No, what's the film called? We've completely forgotten. Oh, ready or not, hide and seek is what you say when you play hide and seek. No, it's, it's ready or not, here I come. I've completely balls this up. <laughs> it sounds like a good film. I apologise for my buffoonery, Craig. Ready or not. Not here I come. Ready or not, is it worth it? Ready or not, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth going to see in the cinema. It's a a really wonderful film to see in the cinema. Why is it wonderful? Because it's just very funny and doesn't take itself seriously and you you can have a lot of fun in the cinema watching this. Like it, you, the gore, the the humor, the the ridiculousness nature of this film mm. is is just brilliant and um I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. So yes, I'm going to say yes it's worth watching in the cinema. So there you have it. That was Craig's review of Ready or Not. And who is Greg? Here I go. It is now time for our final review on week 36 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And we will be reviewing Rambo Last Blood. Almost four decades after he first drew blood, Sylvester Stallone is back as John Rambo. Now Rambo must confront his past and unearth his ruthless combat skills to exact revenge in one final mission. After the disappearance of his niece Gabrielle, played by Yvette Monreal, Rambo must muster up the strength one last time. A deadly journey of vengeance. Rambo, last blood, marks the last chapter of this successful action series. Let's take a little listen to a trailer clip before we jump into our final review you're dealing with an expert with guns with knives with his bare hands Rambo was the best I finally came home to defend the only family I've ever known must really want this girl. All she's got is me. She's coming home. You started this. I'll end it. I'm gonna tear you 
So that trailer clip really does show what this film is mainly about, and it's about John Rambo's relationship with his niece, Gabrielle, played by Yvette Monreal. Uh, and the film actually starts by focusing on that relationship, and it doesn't actually feel like an action movie at all. You know, we have this nice introduction where we see John Rambo sort of sitting in his country home, sort of rocking on a rocking chair, enjoying his retirement years, you could say, um, and this relationship with his niece where they're talking about their relationship and yeah. how much they like each other and they're riding those horses into the sunset. Um, and it is that sort of nice look at, oh, what's Rambo doing now? Um, then we get this bombshell from Gabrielle that she wants to see her father. And then we get the, you know, Sylvester Stallone, I know men, he's a he's a bad man. And <laughs> bad men don't change and all I know is death and I'm a very scarred individual. And she's uh, like, you've changed. Yeah, he's like, oh, maybe on the outside, but every day I have to keep a lid on it. And it's just like really dramatic. And basically Rambo's saying, look, you don't want to go and see your dad. It will only lead to bad things. And the, 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 the worst part of all of this is that her dad is actually in Mexico. But what does Gabrielle do behind Rambo's back? She um, takes the car, tells Rambo that she's going to see some friends and actually drives into Mexico and finds her father. And then there's this sort of weird and bizarre scene <laughs> where she sort of knocks on the father's door and the dad opens the door, considering he hasn't seen her in years and knows exactly who, he, who, who, she, who she is. He's like, Gabrielle, it's been many years. And she basically says to her dad how much um, she, she loves him. And initially, he's very responsive, and then suddenly he turns, doesn't he? He just flips within an instant, and yeah. the camera sort of goes really like obscure and close up to his eye yeah and it's like oh this just turned very sour very yeah. quickly something's gonna go bad here it it changes from him being like quite responsive to mm. like craig says the camera zooming in on his face and he literally says i never loved your mother i never loved you you shouldn't have come here you're worthless you're nothing go away don't ever come here again um she then goes back to her friend's house who lives in Mexico who she went down there to see and they decide to go out clubbing to sort of drown their sorrows so to say little does she realise that she's actually being set up and sold or taken into some sort of Mexican sex slave gang um, unfortunately she gets taken uh, starts to get heroin pumped into her because that's what these cartels do they steal attractive young women they fill them full of heroin they get them dependent and then they basically use them as as prostitutes and but my word once once john rambo finds out about this he is he's absolutely furious in a completely inaudible way sylvester <laughs> stallone's face just doesn't really move but actually i don't know what you thought craig i thought stallone gave quite a good performance here I mean, it's not his finest performance. No. Um, I mean, in Creed, he was nominated for an Academy, an Award, Academy yeah. Award, wasn't he? For least audible man, I believe. <laughs> but no, he's he's done better performances. This was relatively uh, strange in mm. terms of the pace of the film, the length of the film, and then the bizarre Home Alone setup. Yeah. So, you know, in Home Alone, you know, they've got the scene where uh, the kid transforms the home into a booby-trapped environment. Mm. Well, 
Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa? No. John Rambo. <laughs> They're the Rocky same Balboa person. pops up with a cameo. Yeah. He basically transforms his home into a complete death trap. And I mean, not like, you know, paint yeah. pots being tied up. No, this is now sharp wooden stakes and uh, fire, fire and, and a sawn off machine gun and metal poles and, and flames. And it is a complete death trap. A cheese um, board in the corner to lure them in. Yeah, well, just, I don't think there's a cheese board, but. The film is basically broken into two parts. The first part, which is this quite nice sort of drama where we see this relationship between Rambo and his niece. And then the second part is once his niece has been abducted and basically filled with heroin and forced to sleep with men, um, Rambo loses his mind. He goes John Rambo. And he he does. And he, he, in, he takes out revenge in a way that only Rambo can. Craig was literally just about to take a, a, a dip into his <laughs> salt and vinegar twig or whatever the hell they've been eating all, all this yeah, they're horrible stop it um oh. and he 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 goes into this mad mode and like craig says it is like home alone-esque he turns his house into a death trap there's exploding tunnels there's metal poles that shoot out there's arrows there's flames there's a sawn off shotgun it is absolutely brutal and there's drum rambo versus 25 people? No. If prob- not more? I would say there was 8 to 10 cars, probably 6 or 7 in each car because they're proper 4x4s. Four so that's a lot. 40, 50 very angry Mexican drug dealers, cartel members, bad guys, villains. And he just tears them apart. He does. He single-handedly, one man. Look, there's just loads of... Bru- there's this lovely drama and then there's this ridiculous, um, savage, over-the-top 18 gore. Um but somehow, what it works? Some I, I don't think it works, David. I don't. I, I don't I, think it works. But it it was entertaining to an extent. Now, yeah, if you wanted it, to go to the cinema mm. and watch something where you can be a little bit like not concentrate or anything, the second half of this film is that. Yeah, but the first half of the film is pretty good stuff. The first half of the film is okay. Mm. It's not, as I said, Ram uh, um, um, Sly's finest performance. I mean, his finest performance is probably that porno that he made. But no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh oh I, my word! That's I, a bit too much. Devolved too much information there. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Um, no, I think I, 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 I still don't think it was great. I think there, there's been better. For f- films that he's been mm. in. I think there's been better movies that you can watch. I, I, I just, I just. I don't know. I really didn't enjoy it. it. I en- I was entertained to an extent, but it wasn't something that I, mean, I, I think in my, my way to see. That I, yeah, I, this is what I put in my notes. I've put the first sixty percent of the film is decent. Um, Forty maybe. F- oh, well, I've gone for sixty. Then twenty percent is wobbly, and then twenty percent is totally mad. Um, so overall, it feels like two completely separate films. The action, because there's not much action in the first 60% of the film. There's very little, if not mm. no action. And when it does come, it's very gory. And then suddenly, you have the most over-the-top, ridiculous action I've ever seen in in, in any sort of um, thriller action movie. It's totally bizarre, but it somehow works. Look, this isn't going to win any awards. Critically, it's a bit of a mess. The the tone and the pace is a bit all over the place and the script is very melodramatic and you got Stallone giving these monologues. Critics give it a 27% score on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. which I think is a little bit low, 
But it's about about a 30-35% film. It's certainly not fresh. It is a little bit rotten from a critical perspective. But the audience give it an 83% score. Audiences like it. And do you know what? After a long day at work, I quite enjoyed this film. I'm going to say that. It's it's not a very good film, but I enjoyed it. It's not one way you can sort of... There's not much to digest at all. I mean, this has been a pretty much off-the-cuff review. We've not really had many notes to look at because it is just... A mad, mad film. What they do have is at the end of the film, they do have a montage of all the previous Rambo films, and it is a nice ending, a nice conclusion. Yes. And it's the first Rambo film was called First Blood. This is called Last Blood. They've drawn a close to this uh, action series, and it's not a great film, but I enjoyed it. Confession, though, I haven't seen any of the other Rambos. Oh, and neither of you. Oh, yeah, I didn't want to give that away. <laughs> Otherwise, people are going to think, well, no, we haven't. Um, apparently, they're brilliant. Um, so I can't yeah. comment on what this is like compared to others. But perhaps it's good that we haven't seen the other ones. We come yeah. in to this one blind. But I mean, it... I have seen Son of Rambo, which featured some of First Blood in it. Yeah, and you, you, I knew you would get Son of Rambo into this uh, yeah, because you do brilliant. love it. Garth Jennings, fantastic. Will Poulter is in that film, one of his first films that he yes. did. Yes. But, Craig, alas, let us get back to the matter in hand. Rambo, Last Blood, unless you've got any further comments, I'm going to ask you, is it worth it? I have no further comments, and I'm going to say yes. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it's because, I mean, if there's... Actually, actually, no, change my mind. Go and see Ready or Not. That's that's more entertaining, more humorous, uh, and has a similar amount of gore Mm. and stuff. You? For me, is it worth it? I'm going to say yes. Look, this is not a very good film, but it is an entertaining one, and it's very rare that I go to the cinema and I can just completely switch off, turn away from reality and all the madness that goes on in my head, and just watch the chaos unfold. And actually, I quite enjoyed it. And I actually thought Sylvester Stallone gave quite a good performance. So for me, Rambo Last Blood is worth seeing in the cinema. Thank you very much for listening to week 36 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Now, we've gone out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. But what we'd like to know is whether or not you've enjoyed any of these films that you have seen recently. So to do anything about that, you need to email or comment or send us a message on various different social medias. David, do you want to kick us off with the social media accounts? Do you know any of them? Can you remember any? You're just looking at me stone cold right now. <laughs> I thought you were going to do this part of the well, outro. Well, I'm going to say the email address. I can do the email address. The then. email is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. The email address again is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Uh, and if you want to hit us up on Facebook, just search for Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And you can tweet us at Film Is Worth It, or you can Instagram us at Is It Worth It Podcast. 
that's a lot. Yes, also, I did just want to say, I had a look on Apple Podcasts this week. Not only have we got some more five-star reviews, we've actually got a couple of written reviews on there, which is really fantastic because it moves us up in the Apple Podcast chart. If you are listening to this and you do enjoy us, please do give us a rating. And if you can write a couple of sentences about what you think of the show, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much for the email correspondence we've had. We have had an email from the wonderful... Gaming, gaming Bear, Bear. Uh, one of our favourite listeners um, thank you to the Gaming Bear for emailing us we always love it when you get in contact with the show and thank you as well for your five star review on Apple Podcasts it means a lot to us yes uh, we're going to take your email um, and read out on another show a little bit later on in, in maybe in a couple of few, few weeks mm. um, because it is very relevant to uh, to that what we're going to be doing that's very secretive yes but... I know exactly what you mean Yes, you do, yeah. I do, they don't know. But, but the listeners matter. will. Trust me, this is a great email from the Gaming Bear. He poses us a very interesting question, which we will answer probably on our Oscars special. Yes. Uh, so Oscars, Road to the Oscars, is available to download at the minute, episode one. Uh, there'll be various other episodes. David is producing that, um, mm. and he's going to be doing... It's going to be five episodes in total, because... Yeah. That leads us right up until uh, the February when the Oscars is actually uh, taking place. Uh, there are a few other special things that are happening. We have the Cinema at Home, which is uh, headed up by Ranji, and we are essentially special guests on that. Um, mm. That will be coming out in the next few days for the first episode, and then every two weeks we should have an episode of that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then lots of other bonus episodes that are in motion as well. I mean, at Christmas time, we're going to be doing a Star Wars special, and you don't even know about that, but it's oh, in wow. the works. Oh, yes. Wow. Yep, we're going to have special guests and everything. It's going to be amazing. Super, really looking forward to that. And the cinema at home is going to be great. We're going to be letting you know exactly what is worth watching whilst at home on things like Apple TV, um, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Movie, Movie, all these other, you know, DVD, VHS, you know, if you're old school. Betamax, yeah. So I think the last thing to say is thank you very, very much for listening to Week 36. Stay well, stay happy. And we will speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Tatty bye. Goodbye. Always wonderful to talk.